Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me tonight is Jeff Sire. Hello, everyone. And Mike McPeak. Hi. Yay, we're all together again. Woohoo! Okay, this time we're talking about Stargate. And we picked Ooh. the movie Stargate's Continuum. Which, yeah, Jeff's just kind of, you know... <laughs> kind of summing it up right there. <laughs> I am not a fan. It was, it was like an hour uh, and a half movie that went about an hour too long. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, I think maybe that's one of the, the downfalls of when you try and take a, a TV show and then turn it into a movie. Um, you well, have the potential of, yeah, just making it I, I was expanded. telling uh, Mike before we started to record that I saw the original movie in the theater and kind of left with a kind of, Oh, that was okay. And like by the next morning, I probably couldn't have told you anything that happened. It was it had really had no impact on me at all. And then when I found out they were making it into a TV show, like, oh, okay. And I never watched one episode. And yeah, like the people that I knew that watched it, nobody was fanatical enough to convince me to that I should watch it. And this was really the first of the anything to do with the TV series of Stargate that I'd watched. So okay. Maybe and, this just wasn't a good place to start. And it was not. Let's be clear on that. If you're not familiar with Stargate, this is not the place to start because there is so much that's going on that, you know, you have no background on. Um, and it's, it's, and my, my own experience, I watch Stargate off and on. I was, like you were saying, I wasn't fanatical about it. I'd catch it when I could. And, you know, I kind of lost track of the, the storyline and all that kind of stuff but it was fun you know hey it's got richard dean anderson i'm there so um but this particular we watched stargate continuum and this particular movie no (laughs) um it's a bad movie to begin with but it's a horrible place to start for stargate there's uh there's just too much that's not explained um well and and jeff and i was talking too that for uh Starting with the original movie, which was just kind of a meh, uh, it still went on for eight seasons as uh, Stargate SG-1, and then there was, what they say, five seasons of Stargate Atlantis, Atlantis yep. and then there was uh, Stargate Universe, which lasted all the one year, and that one I actually did try to watch, because that was on like a couple years ago, and yeah, you just couldn't really get into it, there wasn't those characters that grabbed you, held you and made you just want to watch the show it was just kind of like, well, I've got nothing else to do I guess I will watch this I I, um, I was kind of fanatical about Stargate Universe I did watch that regularly and look forward to the next episode, and I, I have to admit, I kind of got sucked in, there were some characters there that I I wanted to see what happened next, and, and and like you said, they got the one season, and they 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 knew they were being canceled, so they got a chance to somewhat tie up some loose ends, sort of. You know, it was like as a it's like a, if if a patient is bleeding, they didn't exactly get a chance to stitch him up, but at least they got a chance to apply pressure before you know the blood completely ran out. So um, it it wasn't exactly a cliffhanger ending, and it would allow them to pick it up again in the future if you know the circumstances were right but yeah but stargate universe was not like the other ones at all to be to a large extent it was very very different it had just a few pieces of technology uh in common with the rest of the stargate um series but that was about it i have to say that continuum 
one of the things that I really intensely disliked was they did one uh, plot device thing that is so overdone, and I just can't stand it whenever I see it in any movie or TV show. They did that thing where people show up or appear, and in some incredible way, everybody around them is totally dismissive of them, brushes them off, and then when the things that they were saying come to pass, they just kind of like, oh, well, they just... You know, bring them back in. You see this with like little kids saying, I saw somebody next door doing whatever. No, you didn't, Johnny. You brush it off and then it happens. And they're just, then when it comes to pass, they're just totally dumbfounded by it. I'm like, that would never, ever happen in real life. It drives me nuts when you see it. It's just like all of these writers just like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, like, are you sure it doesn't happen in real life? No, I don't think it does. I think what you just said kind of. Because. If, if somebody showed up and said, "Here's some incredible thing," like I, uh, you know, I don't know, I can turn lead into gold. Everybody dismisses. Everybody dismisses. Everybody dismisses. As soon as somebody says, "Yeah, here's proof that it can happen," all of those people that were dismissive, if it was real life, would turn around and like, "Okay, how do you do it?" But in TV shows and movies or whatever where they use that, those people are still skeptical. And still dismissive of these people once there it's proven that it that it's real. Okay, okay, that, that that's the, that's the that kick. Okay, about. that's the kick. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, because I think it happens where people are dismissive until all of a sudden it is proven real, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, you oh. were right. Okay, um, get in here and tell. Yeah, us tell what's tell going me on. more. Tell me the full yeah, story. We, 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 we finally yeah. recognize that this is for real, right? And they they'll do some apology thing, like okay, show us or whatever, right? But uh, like, I I've seen that happen at work where somebody comes in and says, I don't think this is. You know, like I work in an industrial setting, so like I don't think I think something's wrong with this pump. I've been hearing something. There's strange noises, and people are dismissive or whatever. And then finally, something happens. Then it, all of a sudden, it's like take us out and show us what's going on. Right. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden they snap over the other way. It's not just like the pump starts to self-destruct, and they're like, "Oh, I'm still dismissive of you." This this reminds me of a of a car story i had my son had a, a car for a while and, and he kept saying ah the brakes are getting soft we need to get the brakes looked at and it's like yeah 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 whatever you know it's a, it's a teenager's car we don't want to put any money now the brakes are getting bad you really need to take a look at it. finally one day uh, i don't know how he convinced me that uh, we really needed to take it into the shop but i drove it to the shop the car had no brakes <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I take it back. You really were but, telling the truth. Uh, but at that point, you didn't get in the car, press down, and see that there were no brakes, and, and you didn't say, why? How odd. This car has no brakes. We should do something about it. it was, your reaction was probably like, oh, my God, I'm sorry I put you in this situation. Right. You should take care of this a long time ago. Yeah, no kidding. It's Where, like, I'm sorry. That's so- the part of the whole that whole writing hook that I hate. In that these characters are still dismissive. And right. It happened in continuum. Yeah, and, and to take that uh, break analogy farther, if it was, if I had reacted like they had reacted in continuum, it would say, yeah, I guess you don't have any breaks. You know, good luck with that. <laughs> and the thing he's being dismissive of in continuum is the end of the world. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, 
I was like, they just brush these guys off like they're crazy. Well, and then when the aliens show up and start bombing the planet, the president's still like, look, you know, we're in charge here. We'll do what's right. Like, no, shut up. You had your, your chance. Well, can we start bored. panicking too? I mean, we've got alien ships flying overhead. It's been caught on TV. It's everywhere. Do you remember H.G. Wells? We talked about H.G. Wells just a few weeks back. You know, everybody would be screaming on the streets. I mean, you wouldn't have to have these guys shooting down from overhead. We'd kill off each other. Um, if there were alien ships flying overhead, dropping bombs on people, I don't think the president would be sitting on a desk with that smug look on his face. Right, talking about know, a 2,000-page like, briefing. Like is literally caving in on his head. Yeah. <laughs> like... There's nothing wrong with this is this is essentially like a, a, a made-for-TV movie. There's nothing wrong with low production values if you've got good acting and you're telling a decent story. Right. But this is just like you're killing me here. Like these cheesy acting and they're. Oh, they're, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on that one. I think some of the acting by some of the people is pretty good. Um, some of the acting by other people is not. So. Well, I think they were also leaning rather hard on stereotypes, right. such as the bureaucratic, um, you know, stereotype of protect your, you, what you have, um, <clears throat> don't relinquish power, don't you know, admit that you're wrong or whatever, and probably also the military um, stereotype of, uh, um, you know, just ignore, maybe not ignore the problem, but um, just that kind of staunch one sided type of mentality the need to know information type of thing and the don't ask questions do what i say right yeah yeah well you know to to back up a little bit and kind of explain the story um i'm going to just read this summary that one of you guys found and i'm not sure where it came from maybe it was wikipedia but um it says while sg1 and jack o'neill attend the extraction ceremony of the last okay i don't know how to pronounce this gulad system lord Ball comes up with an ominous warning. He explains that he has a contingency plan in the event that something like this were to happen. You know, put that bug in their ear and drive people crazy. In the meantime, the real Ball travels back in time to 1939 to create an alternate timeline in which Earth never found their Stargate. He then, uh, using the knowledge gained in the original timeline, takes control of the Gulad Empire. Yeah. Time travel, too. You know, time travel can be... Yeah. A plot device. Mike, Mike, and I, Mike yeah. and I were saying we should probably do an entire episode just and just talk about time travel. Yeah, you know we probably could because there are times when people do it well and there are times when people don't do it well. And we could entitle it the good, the bad, and the ugly. There you go. Yeah. The time travel in this episode, I would say that I don't think the time travel was done uh, poorly. I thought it made sense the way the story kind of ended up being like because most time travel stories end up being circular to some extent and they brought it all back with the picture in the guy's locker at the end and i, I thought that was pretty good yeah, yeah they, did, they did that well enough yeah because i do have this thing about uh again watching too much star trek and you know the, uh, the prime directive and you know and all that uh, about time travel but they did that one well enough um but it just did uh, the rest of it kind of left holes. Well, yeah. the idea that people would recognize people, but they wouldn't recognize people on both sides a little bit, or that was it was kind of hard to. 
deal the, with the, at times. The, uh, woman who uh, test uh, astronaut that had died in space, they wouldn't, you know, believe that was her, even though she was standing right there. Right, right. yeah, and and um, you know, people saying, "Oh, you look for, you know, nice to see you again," and they're like, "Yeah, if you say so." <laughs> Never seen you before in my life. Um, so that was, and, and maybe that's part of the time travel thing. Um, but it did seem like it was kind of awkward. Awkwardly done at times, it, but it. In, in another case, the see, I'm not familiar enough with Stargate to know the guy's name. The retired general that came into the the hangar deck and chewed them out a little bit. Um, in the alternate timeline, he's just kind of a nice um, cushy teddy bear. So the idea of having somebody um, not be the exact same version of themselves. You know, as right. always, that always seems to pop into time travel stories too. You know, um, you thought you knew them, but no. Yeah, they're they're different, and they're they're a certain degree different in this other secondary timeline. Yeah, and uh, and of course, you mentioned that picture that um, was in the guy's locker at the very end, and. Um, somebody made the comment uh, halfway through the show about the grandfather paradox, I think is what they referred it to. And that's, that's exactly what it was. He basically went back in time, met, saved um, his grandfather, and, um, you know, got a picture <laughs> to keep with him. Got the picture, did the T-shirt, and then did the movie. Did the sweater. Did you notice the matching sweaters? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. But, you know, as far as technology goes, you know, there's another trope in this particular show, too. Um, the whole, it showed up in um, Buck Rogers in the 25th century, too. The idea that there are advanced civilizations with barbaric social systems, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because the whole reason that the Stargate was originally constructed was so that this planet, uh, it was constructed in Egypt so they could go and get slaves to bring back to their world to do their mining for them. Hmm. They can build a Stargate, they can, uh, you know, space travel, they can't build miners. Right, yeah, they need, or, they need slaves. Extravation devices. Right. Yeah, you can build a Stargate or a transporter, but you can't, you know, mine uh, or replicate the substance that you need, you know, for lack of a better term. But yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, the idea that um, you had the slaves, you had the treachery going on, you had the queen killing the king, the fact that you had a queen and a king. Right. Um, yeah, like even even in today's modern world, you don't see a world leader walking around with a sword on his belt, except maybe Muammar Gaddafi did or something. Yeah. Like the idea that he's sitting there on a throne with this sword, like why? Well, and especially if you're surrounded by, um, I don't know what you'd call them. I was about to say blasters, but you know, um, those spears, weapons, you know, yeah, laser guns or whatever they are. Yeah, whatever they are. And that was the other thing, too, is that you did have a variety of weapons involved. There was, uh, I don't know what, uh, a grenade of some sort. There were the laser spears, I guess, if you want to call them that. Stargate fans are going to just, you know, hey, hit hit the comment feed here and educate us. (laughs) Well, you know, looking at the sticks, though, from a military standpoint, that did 
it did seem to be to me, who's not a military person, seemed to have some merit to it because you could either fire it as a rifle, or if you got into close combat, it could double as a uh, club or a, mm-hmm. a sword, uh, or maybe not a sword, but as a, a fighting device in close quarter combat. So it looked like it would do double duty. That didn't look like too bad a design. No, and it, and they're easy enough to carry. To, I mean, they they also function as a walking stick, so you know the, the, you don't really carry them. You kind of walk with them. Um, so yeah, I mean, as a weapon, those things are kind of nice. <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind one of those. But the other, you know, you had those going on at the same time you had pistols. Um, at the same time you had, I'm going to assume, you know, like a AK-47 or some sort of yeah. military grade rifle. Um. And also, Tilk had that, it was, I don't know if it was like a laser pistol or what it was, but it was like a weird S-shaped thing. Yeah, like a snake. Kind of moved. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like, like you said, like people who are SG-1 fans are probably, oh my God, that's whatever, but I, I don't know. I didn't know what this thing is. And, and as far as I saw in the show, he never fired it or, or he certainly drew it. With it so. He drew it. Yeah. And he took the safety off. Yeah, it certainly looked like it was some sort of weapon anyway. Yeah, no, he he certainly, yeah, it was pointed at people with the safety off because there were times when basically he he had it stand down too, where, you know, I can only describe it as a snake, you know, it was just like a yeah. cobra at attention and then finally, you know, it was like the cobra retracted. So, um, yeah, and, and Tilk, of course, is from a, a different Time and place, I guess, to a large extent, that brings back some of the um, myth of the warrior, I suppose, um, to the show. And that was pretty. But this, I mean, the, the idea, the fact that we have no clue what any of these are tells you a little bit about how bad this movie was, um, or how much, or, or why this is not a good place to start. Um, I have yeah. to admit, I, I started after Stargate Universe uh, wrapped up, I was like, you know, I should really go back and, and start digging into stargate because you know it was on forever and people really why, liked it and in the, the spaceships built around a pyramid like i didn't well I, again like that's i'm sure that's part of the lore or whatever but like you could see that there was like some sort of pyramid with this kind of spaceship all built around it well i don't know what you know originally it was because they'd gone to egypt and egypt and pyramids so I suppose that's why the pyramids was built there was because their spaceships was built like pyramids. Yeah, but why? Yeah, why to choose the spa- uh, a pyramid as a? Um, uh, why does the Starship Center Enterprise have a saucer section? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I guess in space aerodynamics doesn't mean anything. So, right. um, but I don't know that. Well, I don't know. Maybe a flying pyramid would be intimidating if it's coming at you. But, uh, I don't know why else you would build it as a pyramid. It may have well, pyramids are the strongest shape, strongest vertical shape that you can have. It's it's um yeah, if physics are on your side with a with a pyramid. But again, in space it's not a big deal. You're not dealing with gravity, you're not dealing with, you know, um even friction to a large extent. Um yeah. so yeah, it's it's weird, uh, it, it, and they were cool ships. Weird is not the right word. Those ships were cool. I had to admit, um, as those scenes were going up, and they had you know the big fleet out there in space, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is sci-fi eye candy 
to its its best. You know, you got all these ships, you got Earth in the background, you got these strange shapes that you really haven't seen anywhere else. Have you ever seen a pyramid ship before? No, I haven't. No, I've no. seen I've seen and cubes. Then, and then the ship that was around them looked like a ninja star sort of thing. Yeah. So um, you know, good on the the artists or the designers there because they were they were awesome. And but the tech, you know, you want to talk, take it back to technology, like you're saying. What, why a pyramid, and why would the ninja star be around them? And and you know, how are they powered, and that kind of thing? And and we don't have those answers, at least not from this movie. Um, no, there there was very little information in this movie. I was going to say when after Stargate Universe got done, I actually went back and started watching some of the very first episodes of the original series. That helps a lot. <laughs> There's okay. a lot of um, you know background that's presented in those first few episodes. It's like, oh, really? Is that why they do that? Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know. Was it just me, or did it seem like the uh, Earth uh, jet fighters seemed to take out the alien spacecraft pretty easily? A little too easily. Yeah. yeah. The Russians too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did find that really funny that they were flying back from Antarctica. They got refueled in flight, got to Washington, and then got redirected to fly to Russia, and they never had a Never had a bathroom break. <laughs> like, that's a long way. Fighter pilots will tell you that's not a big deal. It's been dealt with. <laughs> I don't know. There are systems on board to handle such things. I don't things. know you can deal with that much, uh, yeah. I don't know, business, I guess you could say. Yeah, uh, believe me, some of those guys uh, have been up in the air for a long time. Actually, we have a fighter crew. At the time, we had a fighter crew local here. Um, at uh, that f- was basically scrambled uh, during 9/11, and they flew the White House. We are 1,500 miles away from the White House, so they had to scramble here, get to the White House, do their their uh, patrols there, and fly back. So, <laughs> yeah, they were on duty a long time that day. But yeah, the um, the whole time travel thing too, or, the, or even just the whole Stargate thing. Stargates don't normally do time travel; they do distance, like massive distance. They're like, uh, you know, warp drive on warp drive, um, instantly going from one galaxy to another, essentially. Um, so was was that the purpose of that kind of nexus? At the end of the movie, where they they went to that place where the guys kept beaming in and they kept shooting them, like was that the the time travel? Well, that was what was weird about this particular um, take on it is that normally those Stargates don't do time travel, right. but at least what um, Carter was saying during the show was that somehow they got intercepted by a magnetic storm from a solar flare or whatever that you know sent them back in time. So you know. Th- the they, um, the plot was a little contrived, you know, right yeah, there. They were saying that they had to, yeah, f- wait for the correct solar flare, which would then focus the Stargate so that it would then travel through time. Yeah, I think there was a little uh, science sleight of hand going on there just to kind of move the plot along. And, you know, as almost everybody dies, the one last person makes it through the Stargate going back in time to save the future. Right. And and you know and the the idea that um, they could, they basically the the same thing happened again except this time they just killed everybody um, yeah yeah time travel <laughs> time travel is always kind of a can of worms yeah. It, 
the, uh, I assume that uh, at some point in the series, that woman that was on their team, she had had one of these, I don't know, whatever the thing they extracted from the guy, she had had one within her, because she was, she was, that was the same character, it was her that took over as the queen. The queen, yeah. The, the Golads, yeah. yeah. I guess I wasn't aware of that, but yeah, there was a symbiont that was being extracted from that last guy. That was the reason why they were there in the first place. And um, yeah, so apparently they live inside human hosts. I guess I didn't pick that up when I watched the first. Uh, they didn't mention symbionts because I went back and watched the first Stargate movie. And they did say something about he liked human bodies because they were easier to repair. But, you know, they never mentioned anything about symbionts at the time. But uh, I, that must have come on in some of the later shows. Mm. Yeah. And, and I have to admit that I didn't understand that until the end when it crawled across the floor and went poof. You know, because. Yeah, and then the guy says, We came here all the way for this. Right, yeah. Three hours of them standing around chanting and kind of like <laughs> us watching this movie. We came this far for this. Right. Yeah, no kidding. But it, it's, it was interesting that, um, you know, when you get two alien, two planets, two species um, colliding, crossing paths, whatever, that there's so much interoperability I mean like you said the the fighter jets had a, a pretty easy time of taking on the alien ships um, the people can basically go from one ship to you know the the conditions I mean they were humans basically um, and the 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 systems were familiar and um, you could jump from the future to the past and you know be okay with that you you know I, I i still remember back to star trek everything goes back to star trek you know scotty picks up a mouse and starts talking into it um by going back in time now you didn't really see in it these people were very even even when they went to their their year of exile you know where they're all separated and trying to live normal lives whatever i mean it just they were they were all comfortable with that they didn't have to there wasn't this big adjustment period, and yay on the '71 Mustang Mach One, um, but um, you know they, they 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 weren't out of place. I guess is what it boils down to. At no time during this movie did they appear out of place. Um, well, yeah, because you. Uh, even the acronyms that we use now, uh, that's one thing that I've kind of been saying for a while. How do you teach a kid clockwise and cl- uh, counterclockwise in the digital clock world? Mm-hmm. There are so many things that we are used to now that if we had to go back in time, um, we would not uh, – we, we couldn't uh, you know, understand or we might not pick up on it right now. No, I'd probably like – that line from uh, – um, Back to the Future, where Michael J. Fox goes in and says, "I want a Pepsi free." Well, do you think I'm going to give you a Pepsi free? There <laughs> right. Would be those kind of mistakes that you would be expecting to uh, occur. I figure if I went back in time, I'd probably gas myself to death because I wouldn't know that I needed to, to light the pilot light on the stove. You know, um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's little things like that. You know, sure, it still looks like a stove. You turn it on, okay, fine, whatever. Put the water on to boil. The water's not boiling. Why is the water not boiling? You know. Boom! As you hit the floor, um, so like the well, time. Since tra- you inv- yeah. have invoked Star Trek now, and it's open game, um, <laughs> I did notice that they they had their own version of a transporter um, in there, which was those 
uh, you know, and I guess it was for show. Uh, they just couldn't have a transporter beam. They'd have these three rings that would yeah, weren't those cool? And then the uh, the person would materialize in there, and then the three rings would go back up. Those are awesome. I don't yeah, care about anything really else. Cool. Yeah. It looked cool, but like I said, it was just they had the they did want to copy Star Trek directly, so they added that. It did make it look cool. Yeah, and and, and you know, technology wise, um, they they made a lot of sense. You know, the basically a, a three sixty surround uh, you know, and focus the energy and I mean I from a pseudoscience standpoint they look like they made a lot of sense, but how they floated down and how they floated down and, you know, in a perfect circle, equally spaced apart to the height or slightly above of the tallest person in the in group, you know. And they could only do maybe, what, five people at a time, six, handful of people. Um, so they weren't like for large, you know, troop transport or anything, but uh, they were cool. Well, they probably kind of had to keep them around because it wasn't, after I watched the first Stargate movie, it played an integral role in the uh, uh, the end of the movie there. It was a plot device that, that uh, was was used to help, you know, move the story along. So um, they probably kept them around just for that reason, if nothing else. Do you know anything about the Stargate? I mean, were they tied to the Stargates at all? Or they were, they were part of the... Ships. Yeah. The transporters, yeah, so it was uh, uh, ship-to-ground transportation, or in this case, ship-to-pyramid uh, transportation, because there is this pyramid built on this uh, faraway planet um, that they used to control the, the people, the slaves there on that planet, that they were using to harvest their, their ore for them. Hmm. I think it's just awesome that you said ship-to-pyramid transportation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what boiled down. <laughs> and, and the and the best quote of the show was, "It's pretty hard to find a bathroom in a pyramid." Anyway, yeah. But yeah, it, it there there was technology apparent in this movie. Um, they were, you know, everything from a nuclear sub that pops up through the ice in the Arctic to um, you know your ship to pyramid transport system. Uh, some of which was. Scientific and some of which was just cool science fiction. You know, there's not a not a lot of explanation, not a lot of techno babble behind it. It was just there. It looked really cool and it moved the story along. Yeah. And maybe somebody, like I say, the the true fans of Stargate, like I say, educate us. Put it in the comments. You know, drop us a, an email. Hey, send us an MP, uh, MP3 audio file and straighten us out. But um, it's. Um, there's it, there's just a lot that was happening that was just kind of never explained, you know, never talked about. I, I was thinking in some ways it's almost like uh, Serenity, the Firefly movie. Because mm-hmm. I know uh, uh, somebody that I work with, they saw that in a the theater and they hadn't seen any Firefly. And he's, because when, when he talked about it, like afterwards when he found out about Firefly, he goes, yeah, I saw that movie in the theater. He goes, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't right. know who these people, because that's the same thing. They don't bother to really explain a lot about who the characters are. They just hop straight into the story, yeah. which was the, the way I felt with and, this. And that's appropriate, to be honest. I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, you're you're assuming that you know the story line. We're victims of our own poor judgment. Well, this yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> well, the same would be true, again, everything goes back to Star Trek. The same would be true with Star Trek. You know, you couldn't really watch the movie, or you wouldn't get the same appreciation of the movies without having the, the you know, watch some of the series, whether it's the original series or Next Generation or Enterprise or whatever. The one exception to that might be the last one, the, the 2009 Star Trek movie, because many people, that is exactly what happened. They had not seen Star Trek prior to that. It, you know, welcome to being a different generation. And that was their first uh, entry into Star Trek. But that particular movie, being a reboot of the of the um, of the uh, series, Enterprise, you know, whatever, um, created its own background, basically. It right. didn't. It didn't have yep. to refer back to the other ones in in great yep. detail this is definitely a, a fan <clears throat> excuse me a fan movie it wasn't something to bring people into the franchise it was for the the faithful right yeah good point so if there was one bit of technology in there that you could like make happen and own and use yourself what would it be <laughs> oh i'd go for that transporter that would just uh, that would be cool well because i hate traveling because you know, before we started, you guys were talking about nerdtacular, and I would I would like to go out there. I just hate traveling, so I want the transporter perfected, so I can just beam from here to there instantaneously. None of this travel, none of this making arrangements. Just boom, I'm there, and let's go. Sounds good. You know, the the one piece of technology that that uh, we haven't talked about that actually would be kind of cool. There was they came upon uh, I think it was the Russian Stargate that had no power. And, um, oh God, the name's escaping me now. Uh, what's his name? I know it too. The black guy's name with the thingy oh, in his forehead. Tilk. Tilk. All I could think of was to look, and it was like, no, that's not it. Tilk. Um, pulled this thingy out of his pocket and yeah. just put it anywhere up there and pushed a couple buttons and powered up like a whole, you know, substation. Like he powered the whole thing with like a cassette tape. Right. <laughs> it's like, I want that. That's the piece of technology that I want to perpetuate, you know, you know, massive power that I can carry in the palm of my hand. Uh, frankly, I would be scared to carry that much power in my pocket, <laughs> but it's a scary thought. Yeah. It's like the, the, the ultimate external battery. Well, anything else about Stargate Continuum? No, I think we went over it pretty good. Yeah, yeah it was just a movie of kind of, like you say, contradictions. Um, with the time travel stuff, go, uh, with the people going back, you didn't see them screwing up things that may have exposed them. Um, and then with the diversity of a, uh, an advanced civilization that still used slave labor. Yeah, so it, it was... You know, a movie of contradictions, and it was entertaining, but I don't know that I would, you know, recommend it to anybody. Right, and I, I wouldn't... I, I saw Looper today, and if you're looking for a time travel movie that was, uh, I think, worth your entertainment dollar, that would be my my bet. Yeah. I don't look at it too, in too much detail, because I think it starts to fall apart with the time travel bit, but yeah, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and I and I think I would have to agree with that you know Stargate Continuum is not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's certainly not the best thing I've ever seen, but it's not like I'm said. Well, there's two hours of my life I'll never get back. It's you know I'm familiar with the story. It told a cool story. It kept me entertained or at least engaged for most of it. I wasn't 
I, I wasn't sitting there going, are you kidding? You know, through most of the movie. It was like, okay, that's, oh, yeah, fine, whatever. You know, you could overlook some of the the uh, leaps that they made just because of the storyline. So it was it was decent. You know, scale of one to five, I'd give it a two, but um, it was a fun two. <laughs> but anyway, well, next week... We're going to, I'm going to be gone. Um, so Jeff and Mike are going to um, talk about Moat in God's Eye. No, it's a book, is that right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, it's a book by Larry Niven and Jerry Purnell. Um, and yeah, so if, if uh, you've read it before, we're going to be going over it. It's probably not enough time to read it in a week, unless you're a faster reader than I am. Or uh, I plan on... I've got it on audiobook, so I'll probably listen to it again on audiobook. Be, be, uh, I'll have to listen to the episode because <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. So that'll be well, good. Those two guys, I don't know, my personal opinion on them are like if you're looking for a science fiction book to read, you really can't go too far wrong by anything written by either of those two. Right. Their stuff always makes you think, and it's usually. Uh, you know stuff that you would never think of yourself, right? And they, you know, we'll talk about next week. But they had a few ideas that for uh, now. Remember when this uh, book was written, fifties or sixties, something like that. That uh, we actually see are relevant today. Yeah. Oh yeah, the best science fiction is timeless. Yeah. Okay, well, that's what we've got to look forward to next week. And I think the we've actually got out on the website a schedule for a couple weeks beyond that, too. I think, uh, oh, what's the one after that? Uh, Trader Tales? Uh, Trader's Tales. Trader's Tales. Uh, by Nathan Lowell. Lowell, yeah. So that's an audio book, free patio book. If, you, if you're looking for it, I had to go out to patiobooks.com to download it. Something in iTunes just it wasn't going to let me subscribe to it. Um, but once I, I got one episode into iTunes, I, I was able to download the rest of them. So that's coming up a couple weeks out. So heads up if you want to try and you know read ahead or listen ahead. So, but let's go ahead and wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can always check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at SciFiTechTalk. And if you have ideas or comments or anything that you want to tell us about Stargate, <laughs> send them to SciFiTechTalk at gmail.com. And um, get a chance uh, review out on iTunes is always welcome. So let's see. In the meantime, Jeff, where where can folks find you out in cyberspace? People can follow me on uh, Twitter at, at BroncoSire, S-Y-E-R. And, uh, yeah, they can uh, follow me and send me tweets and uh, watch the random stuff that I'm doing throughout the week. Sounds good. And, Mike, how about you? Yeah, I can be found at uh, on Twitter at DSC Chipman. And then uh, I also have another podcast that I do, Bard on the Plains. So if you want to see what's going on there, go to bardontheplains.blogspot.com. Yeah, and we're waiting for episode number two, so get on it. Working on it. So uh, I can also be found on Twitter uh, at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. 
And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I'm up to can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. And I might even go out there and update that in the next week or so. So that's going to do it for this show. And I guess we'll see you in the future.